The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 85th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwoods and I'm the host of this lovely, lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good friend, my good partner, my good bro, Floyd Johnson Jr. How you doing, my man? I am doing great. As far as wrestling-wise in life, it has been a great week. Uh, me and my wife are also moving from our one-bedroom apartment to a house, so that is great great news to report. And yeah, Survivor Series is this week. I know that's not AEW related, but shock, shocker, I watch other wrestling. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a big four pay-per-view. Yeah, it's a big four pay-per-view. I'm not going to miss it. I won't be watching it live because my world reigning defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs will be playing against the hated rival, the Las Vegas Raiders, that day at the same time as, you know, the pay-per-view. But I will be enjoying that pay-per-view right after with my boy Drew going against the tribal chief Roman Reigns. I know, this is a lot of WWE talk. Oh, my God, let me stop before people just turn well, off, hey, turn it's, off the it's show. Positive WWE. I was going to say, let me stop before people turn off the show. They're like, man. Supposed to hate WWE. You're supposed to want them to burn oh, in hell. Man, yeah. Even though, honestly, I wouldn't have heard of half of the people in AEW if it wasn't for their time <laughs> in the WWE. So, yeah. I mean, man, it's like if we like wrestling, so we watch a lot of wrestling from a lot of companies. This show just focuses on AEW, so we'll be in. We'll get to focusing on AEW since that's what everyone's tuned in. We got a lot to talk about for this week's episode of Dynamite. Before we get into the show. Overall, I want to make sure that you're downloading the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Again, shout out Spotify listeners. Be sure to share the podcast if you listen on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Please leave a rating and review telling us what you think, how we do, and what you think we could do better. We love the criticism. And if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. We will love you forever. You can also support us by following us on social media. At AT Elite Pod is the show's Twitter account. At Social Suplex is our friends at Social Suplex who help make this show possible. Myself, I am at SZoomer4 on Twitter. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, the big news of the week 
this time is the fact that PWI released their top 50 tag team list. And AEW has the top two teams in the first. And this is the first time they've ever done the top 50 tag teams. The top five goes the Street Profits, the North, Golden Rule Models. And then in the top two, both AEW teams, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page and FTR. And now, Floyd, how does it feel to know that your boys, FTR, have been ranked the number one tag team in the world by Pro Wrestling Illustrated? I told you so. (laughs) That's all I can sing to you. They are the best tag team walking God's green earth right now. And I've stated it, you know. They won every tag team title in the WWE. They've won every tag team. They've won tag team title in AEW, the other company they tell you. They tell you all the time that they do this. They love this. And that's why I appreciate them. Now, I, I did give her young work some props last last week. I clearly called them tag team gods. I called them that. So I gave them their props. But this week, oh, on that, joining them on that steeple, on that platform, is the first ever, first ever top tag team in PWI history. This is the first time PWI's been around forever. Even when I didn't read dirt sheets or look at magazines, I knew what PWI was. And being in that top 500 singles performance, amazing. So to say on the first list ever, FTR is one, you can't take that away. No other team, that's the one title. Like, everybody can like, well... They've won 16 world championships, but no one can take this away from FTR. Now, I do have to give a shout-out to the number two team, Hangman and Kenny. For a team that was basically a temporary tag team, man, they shined amazingly well. And, you know, know what? I've heard people say they should be in the one spot. I can't really argue against that. But I would imagine if I'm the person putting together the list, and this is my magazine... I really wouldn't want to put a temporary tag team as one. I would want to put an established long-term tag team as one. But, hey, hey, like I said, I hear your arguments that Hangman and Kenny should be one. They were only a tag team for like eight months. And I think they put it like what a lot of people consider the greatest tag team match of all time. Then they put on a hell of a match with FTR. They were consistent. They are two amazing wrestlers, so... Don't get me wrong. I want to give the shout out to them. This is not me about. This is the one time. It's not about me burying other tag teams to put over FTR. FTR is. I I just think this is an accomplishment that they earned, deserved, and worked for. This is why they left the WWE because they wanted to be considered the best. And I want to definitely get a shout out to the other three tag teams on this list: the Golden Role Models. Sasha Banks and Bayley, they wanted to put a women's tag team division on the map in WWE. They did. I tip my hat to them. The North, if they had that same reign as champions in the WWE or in uh, AEW, like like a major you know uh, promotion, they would probably be one. And then a uh, number five to the Street Profits, probably the most entertaining entertaining tag team in the world. This should show you. How tough this list was. The New Day is not on there. Of course, uh, with, uh, you know, 
uh, uh, Xavier being out most of the year, they weren't really as pushed in up front and, you know, Big E going on singles. Uh, the Young Bucks weren't, didn't even make the top 10, which I think is just highway robbery. They should just get the top 10 just because they're the Young Bucks, <laughs> you know? So I was just like, it's crazy. But yeah, I, I think sure. the five teams, they represent other than Kenny, well, actually other than two and three. But if you look at one, four, and five, FTR, the North and Street Profits, you are literally talking about arguably the three best tag teams in the world today. So I, I was happy. I was beaming in pride. Uh, I got an FTR shirt coming, and I plan on getting it monogrammed in some way to uh, uh, to uh, commemorate them being the number one and uh, number one team in the PWI top fifty. Yeah, and I, again, like we cannot over under we can't overstate it enough. Having Hangman and Kenny tag together, and like, of course, they were already established as members of the elite and whatnot. But for them to tag together and like not be an established tag team in an already flooded, talented tag team division that AEW had just as things were getting going, and to become tag team champions and to be as good as they were when you have other great teams on that roster, like, and you they just came out and they just they helped elevate the tag division just because of how good they are and the blow off to see them fight each other in the number one contenders tournament that they had in uh in uh that capped off at full gear just made the whole thing it just like put it all together in a nice little ball and it just fit perfectly and yeah like the fact that they got like on like they definitely deserve to be on the list but to be at number two is huge and like that's great for them and ftr of course we knew this move to AEW would be massive, and it has been massive, and they 100% deserve the number one spot on that list. So congrats to all the teams that were nominated, congrats to FTR, congrats to everybody. Now let's get into AEW Dynamite for this week. We opened up with the debut of Top Flight, Darius and Dante Martin, as they faced off against the now AEW Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks in a non-title match. Now... Going into this match, we knew the similarities between the two teams. Of course, brothers versus brothers, high-flying teams competing against each other. And Top Flight came out and did really well, I think, for a debut. And they they managed to turn the story as if the Young Bucks had to slow the match down like occasionally, whereas Top Flight were the ones that were like really putting them against the ropes with just their high-octane offense. So seeing the Young Bucks having to kind of clamp down on the match was really interesting because you don't see that too often from them. Um, it was a really good debut. The Young Bucks, the champions, were able to get the win. And then after the match, TH2, Jack Evans and Helico attacked Top Flight uh, and then just ran off as the Bucks chased him away. And then Top Flight got, uh, got a congratulations from Nick and Matt on their performance. We're going to continue to see more of Top Flight, as you can see, with them now having a set, uh, feud built with TH2. And I think really solid, really good opening. Floyd, your thoughts? Yes. Um, again, I've made it clear that my favorite thing in wrestling, uh, as far as, you know, not world championship, just favorite thing that happens all the time, is the AEW Dynamite first match tag team match. There's actually a standard set for it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, they put top flight in the first match on Dynamite. These boys can go. I knew that before the match started, not ever really seeing them wrestle. Because uh, Tony 
has set a established, you know, you have to be this good to be in that, that first match. And that and it, they set the, they stuck with the standard. Of course, they held stuff back. This was the first match on the TV show. So they did they go for the blow away? No. There was no stakes on the line, no title. It was just their first match. It was just kind of to show the world that to how dope these guys were. Uh, was everything 100% Chris? No. Don't expect it to be. I generally like wrestling a little bit more when it's not 100% Chris. But I do recognize when it is, it does look pretty awesome. But yeah, I thought the match was great. These boys are 19 and 21 or Actually, these grown-ass men are 19 and 21, and they're in there wrestling with 20-year veterans, and they're holding their own. A Young Bucks, again, why I call them tag team gods, it's because it does not matter the style of their opponent. They will adapt, and the match will generally be dope. Totally. Moving on from that opening match, we have to talk about the Inner Circle and their escapades. In Las Vegas. Now they had two separate uh, parts of this uh, of this segment in these uh, video packages, I guess if you want to call them. And um, I don't. It was it was it was pretty nuts. I mean, Conan showed up. Wasn't expecting Conan to show up in this. Um, and like once again, Jericho and MGF were trying to one up each other with their types of alcohol they wanted. When Jericho eventually just capped it with Everclear, and I don't drink, but I know right there you fucked up. I, I, and, and let me tell you, I do drink, and I enjoy being drunk, and I do drink what it takes to be drunk. Like I'm like I don't drink a lot, but <laughs> that's what it takes. I don't touch Everclear. I'm like professional alcoholics and drinkers. Like people I know that drink every week tell me to say I they don't mess with Everclear. That's just like the line in the sand. It's like. Yeah, this, you know, that green, that pure green alcohol can stay over there on the shelf. Dude, so them taking that shot, yeah. That's pretty much probably most people's reaction to drinking Everclear. Because most, like I said, the people I know that drink it, like drink it mixed in like like Kool-Aid or some strong juice because it's a very disgusting flavor. Oh, no, yeah, and then right after they downed their shot of Everclear, they just shouted at the same time, Son of a bitch! And it's just like, well, I can't believe you didn't see that going. Um, once again, MJF was fucking with uh, Sammy Guevara, who still doesn't like him. Same with, uh, same with, uh, uh, I believe it was Ortiz, yeah. Ortiz, once again, still not liking him. They were playing uh, Blackjack, and MJF switched uh, his cards with Sammy when he said he had a blackjack, and um, they just they did a whole bunch of shit. I was upset. That would up. be like the worst dealer ever. I want to clarify that. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, yeah, just he did absolutely nothing. He's like, you know what? I still somehow have a job despite COVID and everything. At this point, I don't give a shit. They're spending a lot of money. exactly because yeah, if you y'all tried to switch cards, yeah, uh, they would throw you out pretty quick. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't care how good you can sing or wrestle or how many expensive scarfs you have. Like, you're getting tossed the fuck out. But it was pretty much, like, if I had to say uh, anything, like, they they pretty much created the hangover. Like, that's what they were doing. Because then the second half was literally them just fucked up and just, like, trying to recover. I believe, like... I don't want to say that the little person at the end of there dressed as a baby was Hornswoggle because I don't want every person, little person that I think 
is Horn. I want to think is Hornswoggle, but I believe it was Hornswoggle. Yeah, a lot of people I say th- he was Swoggle on Twitter. I didn't even think there was a chance that he wasn't Swoggle. I know there's a comedian named Brian something. I don't know. I was like, but let me just say, I think it was Swoggle. I did not watch that segment back. I watched a few of the matches back that I wasn't paying attention to, but I didn't watch that segment back. So I can't say with 100% certainty it was that, but it was him. But, I mean, he's pretty close to a lot of people on the roster, so I wouldn't imagine. I would imagine it was him. Seriously, yeah. It's like I can't think of. Like, I don't want it to every, like, like oh, it's a little person in wrestling. It has to be Swoggle. So I'm just going to leave that alone. But MJF had a bunch of shit written on his face by um, by Sammy, who got back at him. Um, Ortiz looked coked out of his mind when he was just like, the best, the best, the best. And um, I also appreciated this, the part where Wardlow and Jake Hager were trying to one-up each other by beating up random people. Uh, that was really nice. And, yeah, the whole thing was just really entertaining. And it's like I said, it's AEW or more so Chris Jericho's take on The Hangover. Yeah, and if AEW wanted to do a monster tag team, like, I I, I saw two different versions of it tonight that I'm going to talk about at two separate times. But, yeah, Jake Hager and Wardlow, if, like, if you uh, wanted to, if you wanted to build a tag team up fairly quickly to give the Young Bucks, like, an insurmountable challenge to, you know, overcome... Come on, Jake Hager and Wardlow? Just two behemoths. Two It's pretty much the tag team David and Goliath. Yeah. So it would, it would be pretty cool if they decide to do that. I don't know where, where the Young Bucks are going. FTR has not come back since uh, their loss. Uh, they were devastated. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, like, I saw two different versions of these monster tag teams that I thought would be, like, really cool. And this was the first version. We'll talk about the second version when it comes up later. Yeah. We then had the match between Freshly Squeezed Orange Cassidy against Superbad Kip Sabian with the best man Mirror on commentary, who I must say did very, very good, honestly. I was... I was... I, like, Miro's just a really good talker, and then hearing him on commentary, which I hadn't heard him on commentary a ton he did well he did really well I'm, I'm always down to give wrestlers who are actually good on guest commentary a shout because like it's not easy and like very few wrestlers get a good like shout when they're on guest commentary but miro did good i, I don't watch a lot of youtube shows but one of my first like consistent youtube shows was, was up up down down and mm-hmm. uh he was on there a lot miro was on there a lot and and it was just like he would talk and he would interact and you like, man, this dude has just this, you know, not a lot of wrestling charisma. It was because it's a different thing, but he has this natural charisma when he talks. He has this energy. He's kind of a smart ass, you know. And, oh, and, yeah. yeah and he's like, but then he did. He brought that same energy and used it kayfabe, you know, putting over his opponents, Absolutely. but still saying he can kick their ass. And I just thought I thought it was really good. And I just. I don't want to overdo it because, like, when we liked Jericho on uh, commentary once, it was like he was on commentary the next three weeks. And then he was like, oh, Ricky Stark's on commentary. That's interesting. Then he's on commentary all the time. I don't think they should overdo it. But every now and then with Miro, I thought he kept the focus on what was happening in the ring and his storyline so well. I just thought he did a good job. 
and I don't think he yeah, took away th from the other three, which is another big thing. No, 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 not at all. And the best thing Miro ever did on uh, Up, Up, Down, Down was when he played FIFA against Pac. And, like, going into the tournament, he named himself he, he nicknamed himself Roman Reigns because he wins all the time. And that was clever. He started doing his, his uh, poses after he beat Pac, uh, and Pac was getting all mad about it. Um, he just fucking like really entertaining really charismatic really smarky and like it's great um the match between super bad kip sabian and orange cassidy was good kip sabian had some good moments there was a couple points in the match where i believe kip slipped up a little bit on like moving from the ropes to try to hit a ddt or something and um but it was okay it wasn't necessarily too long to really say too much about um i did like how consistently um like, they built up, like, Orange trying to put his hands in his pockets, and Kip would cut him off at every turn, and then, like, would cut him off again and again and again. Then eventually, he would have him pinned down, put his hands in his pockets, and then just kind of, like, walk away as he just does it, because he finally got one up on him. That was really nice. Um, again, match was, like, nothing too crazy to write home about. It was good, but, like, I didn't really have too much memory of the match. The only memory I had was when the match ended, and Orange pinned uh Kip Sabian with a nice cradle mousetrap and Miro just sprints to the ring and just wails Orange Cassidy with a lariat and then just screams gets out of the ring as best friends chases after him. Yeah, but. the fact he seemed to jump up and I know it can't all be one motion, but it seemed like it. He seemed to jump up, run over, jump over, and then clothesline him in like one fluid sequence that almost seemed like one movement. Seeing a big man like him just run at that speed is horrifying. And you forget how good of an athlete he is. You know, he was built as the super athlete forever. And it was like, okay, you saw the super athlete. And it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't like he wasn't doing anything special or whatever. It was just like, that was just him naturally moving that quickly and that smooth with that much agility. And then... Then the, the power mixed into it. He clotheslines the crap out of Orange Cassidy, who did an amazing sell on that. And then, yeah, it was just, I, I just, I was very impressed with Miro at that moment. Uh, Kip Sabian, I've never been huge on Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian has never been, like, in a match where I'm like, man, Kip Sabian was amazing. He, he does what he I was going to say, the only match, the one match that I really hold him to is uh, his match with Sammy Guevara uh, at uh, Double or yeah. Nothing. Yeah. That was really And I liked all his Harry Potter references, and they've kind of gotten rid of that. And, you know, the dude is, he, I will say, he's a solid professional wrestler. It's just the most interesting things about him are the girl he's with and his bodyguard. And that's, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's a him thing or if it's a me thing, but he's never been a person that has, I'm like, I need to see Kip Sabian's match. So, yeah, I kind of... Mm -hmm. 75% paid attention to this match. <coughs> yeah, and it's like, I think Kip, like, can use that to his advantage, being, like, super snark, like, like, sleazy about, like, how he's like, like, pay attention to me and not my girlfriend or my big bodyguard friend. Yeah, but, I, yeah, like, I would or, need well, him actually, to... fiance, fiance. I, I would need him to use that. I would need him to, like, grab a cameraman that happens to be looking at Penelope and point the camera at himself and says, don't pay attention to her. I think that they should go with that after they get <laughs> yeah. married. Because, like, after they get married, I think that would be really cool. Yes. And, like, a good... and if his opponent started referring to him as Penelope's husband, that would be hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, you're just Penelope's husband now. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Now we can get into the contract signing for the World Championship match uh, that's taking place on the December 2nd episode of Dynamite. John Moxley versus the number one contender, the cleaner, Kenny Omega. Now, before this segment, we had a video video clip of John Moxley talking about the match. And in that promo he cut, just straight up, just casually announces he has a pregnant wife at home. Renee Young is pregnant. That's amazing. Congratulations to that, both of I, them. That was almost the I big, was not that was almost the big story of the week. But I didn't want to draw super attention to it because apparently he didn't either. It was the, in my opinion, the smoothest delivery of pregnancy news I've ever heard. Because yeah, and there like, was no hint. Was like, like, there was no anything. Yeah. I follow Renee. She's one of my favorite follow follows on Twitter because her page is gen- generally positive. So I I love following her. There's been no hints that it's becoming, or they've been so subtle I didn't notice. And he's like, well, my life's changing. You know, I got all these people looking after me. I got a wife at home that's pregnant. And then he's like, yeah. And every he's like, I don't even know what to do. How do I? You know, I was like, and I shocked, and I put it. And I was like, is this common? Knowledge that I didn't know, I like put in my group chat. Because I'm like, that yeah. seems like that was something. And then everybody's like, and then the internet broke. John Moxley, dude, breaks the internet with a throwaway line in a promo. I'm telling people, I mean, people say like his promos have the same tone. He's so subtly good at getting yes. everything in. He got that in, and people almost missed it. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like I didn't want to put it on Twitter because he said it so nonchalantly. I thought they had been talking about it for months, and I just I hadn't been paying attention. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. I loved Renee. I loved Renee's reaction too, where she was like, "We were." I was thinking about all these ways to announce it and all that kind of stuff, and then randomly he just says it in a promo, and I'm just like, "Oh!" And at the t- same time, she thinks about it. She's like, "We really don't shout about stuff too much about re- our relationship or our marriage," and she's like. We don't make too much, too big of deal about things, and she's like, it actually really fits with us. And I'm like, awesome, glad. Hopefully, uh, everything goes great, and like, you guys are amazingly adorable together. You're lovely, wonderful. Love you both. And uh, just the fact that he just dropped that, I, I literally was like, did he say pregnant? Did he say pregnant? Yeah, like, I, I will say it in clear. Uh, Renee Young is my favorite. If it is one of my favorite wrestling personalities there is like period she i loved how she was a great commentator she on was, and, and, i'm just saying when she's on like interview shows or everything she just is like just so bubbly and like just always like just positive i mean and even when she was on the total diva show that i had happened to watch a couple times it was just like i could i could drink with her i could hang with her well, not drink with her anymore, but I could have before, <laughs> and, and it's like I'm, I'm like I'm happy for her. I'm happy for her and Moxley that I know this is something they both wanted, and you know what? Congratulations on that. I will say also, since we're on the topic of like wrestling relationships, uh, Alexa Bliss got engaged too, which is really shout cool. out to and shout just, out to Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Uh, I saw more tweets about people being allegedly mad that she was uh, married. That, that I did hear about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I saw more tweets about that than I saw from people actually mad about 
that she got uh, she got married. I, I'm like, I, I think I'm it's happy because, for her. I think it's just because the IWC <laughs> has has labeled like Alexa Bliss as the the one female wrestler that like crazy fans are simping over uh-uh. the uh, most. Yeah, I, I just say simple. I'm happy for her too. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, she seemed to finally got a you know you know that they 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 matched their energy of like immediately from when they started dating. It seemed like she was very happy. So. And it, again, this is social media, you know, whatever. I I take it with a grain of salt, but congratulations. Yeah, and I will say, Alexa Bliss is still one of my favorite wrestlers in general, just because she posted online about her dancing to uh, Eye to Eye from a Goofy movie. Fuck yes, such a good Yeah, movie. she's a fan of Hanson too, and b- b- me growing up in Oklahoma, Hanson was a very relevant part of my life. And my best friend, one of my best friends, is a huge Hanson fan. So that even made it even more of a relevant part of my life. So the fact that she's like all like fangirling over Hanson was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Now, getting back into this segment after um, John Moxley cut that promo, the actual contract signing really didn't do much except for the fact that John Moxley was knocked out backstage. And uh, Kenny Omega came out with his ridiculous entrance with the dancing, br- with the dancing ladies with the brooms, and he comes out. And as we wait for John Moxley, he's knocked out. He's got a bloody nose, and their doctors are talking about they want to stabilize his neck and get him on a backboard, stretcher him out. No one has any clue what's going on. So Kenny Omega just says, "All right, well, December second, winter is coming, and I'll be there too." He signs the contract, and then it's just a really awkward ending as. No one knows what happened to John Moxley. I will also say, the "Winter is Coming" uh, uh, tagline is probably the most WWE-esque thing AEW has done recently because they love having ridiculous taglines to their pay-per-views. But this is just to a dynamite. So the whole "Winter is Coming" tagline I find very silly, but uh, it's, it's and whatever. you know I, I I say the same thing, but I also point out this stuff. The point this out to a lot of people that seem to forget this, and this is not to you, but in general, a lot of the things WWE does as marketing works. Oh, yeah, it works. <laughs> I, I find it absolutely ridiculous, like how they they named a pay-per-view Great Balls of Fire or the way they, they market like Survivor Series as the one time of the year when Raw and SmackDown go head-to-head in competition. But you guess and what? I, you can say it off it the works. top of your head and not even think about it. Oh no, because they say it all hey, the time. Exactly, it's that's how it works. It's the that's why they're called the machine. You know, <laughs> it's like they are going to drill it in your head. It's like people that don't even watch wrestling every week or whatever. They know those two taglines, and they know Roman Reigns is the tribal chief, and you know they know uh, Drew McIntyre is the Scottish psychopath because they drill it in your head. You know, and you learn by repetition. So. With them, yeah, winter is coming. I don't say December 2nd without saying winter is coming anymore because okay. it was drilled in my head. I Speaking hey. of, I will be there. I, I did get my tickets this morning to it. I will be there live from Jacksonville, Florida, Mox versus Omega. I, I was just like, it was like one of those things that I was just like, they're doing this match on TV? Hell, why not? I mean, like, bro, it's like you're doing so much cool shit. You like, 
I'm going to have so much trouble getting you a Christmas present because you got a PS5, you went to Full Gear, you're going to Dynamite at Daly's Place. Like, I have no idea what I'm going to get you for Christmas, my man. I'm, like, completely lost. Dude. Dude. I, you know what? I, I, I have one of the biggest Christmas presents you've given me, you've given me all year. I've had a consistent partner on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's been like it's like as much as I've loved everybody that has tagged Williams me, I've had to switch so often that I was like, man, I actually feel like we have a rhythm now. And it was like even when like before when I was kind of switching, if somebody couldn't do it, I'd just switch to somebody else and do the show. It's like when you can't do the show, I don't really want to do it anymore because I like our chemistry and rhythm. So I definitely, I'm like, I, you know, this wasn't expected. I didn't think I was going to say it. But yes, you've already given me a Christmas present. Thank you for being here every week, bringing your energy, matching mine, and slowing me the fuck down when I need to be slowed down. I appreciate you, man. I didn't realize we were going to get crazy sappy right there, but I appreciate it nonetheless, and love you, man, as always. We'll get back on track a little bit as uh, Bastard Pack is back, and he had his first match back in about eight months as he faced off against the Blade. And, like, seeing Pack back in the ring, like, God, I missed him. Like, he's just such a good, he's so quick, agile, He's got such a great move set. He's got an amazing look. He's super great in the ring. And as he worked with Blade, like they did really well together. Blade did well too. Like we don't see a ton of singles matches be- with uh, the Butcher or Blade individually, but Blade did really well. I felt Eddie Kingston was on commentary already. I'm like, yay! I get to hear Eddie Kingston talk. Yay! But uh, Pack was able to hit a nice shooting star press and then transition into the brutalizer to get blade to tap out and then at that point uh pack then grabs a mic and then just is about to go off on eddie kingston and then gets jumped by the butcher they start getting beat down as eddie kingston comes in and starts mocking him then ray phoenix comes down and um comes to uh help uh help pack out and uh, he also kind of fell at one point because it looked like he was going to do some crazy springboard thing and kind of fell um but uh he starts beating up uh trying to beat up uh uh eddie kingston or butcher blade or whatever and he was unnumbered outnumbered as well and then penta comes out with a steel chair and of course kingston trying to break off the lucha bros for weeks now and we're wondering who penta's gonna side with he then chases off Kingston and Butcher and Blade with the chair, and Death Triangle is back. Represent, I, I mean, I would send a picture out if, uh, if I felt like it, but I am actually wearing my Death Triangle shirt because it was, awesome. it was in the back of my closet because the Death Triangle wasn't a thing. <laughs> so Yeah, we didn't get to see a ton of them until Pac I, I had, had to go I away. Literally, so I bought the shirt. And, of course, no one ever talks to my wife, but I lost the shirt. Like, I had put it up in the closet or whatever, and I couldn't find it. And I was like, but it didn't matter because, you know, Pac was gone. Actually, Ray and Pinto was gone, so there was no death triangle. And then it was like, oh, I think, you know, Tony made the comments about Pac, and I was like, so he's coming back. So I figured what the, what A&W is really good at is if something gets pushed off, they are generally pretty good at coming back to it. So it was like the Death Triangle was something I wanted to do, so I figured they would come back to it. 
So, I found the shirt. I was like, man. Because, you know, I don't know if, you, if a lot of people remember this, but Chris Jericho and AJ Styles were Y2AJ, right? And they put out a shirt, and then they broke up three days later. Yeah. Guess who bought that shirt? You did. Yes. So I literally, by the time I got the shirt, the tag team wasn't a tag team anymore. <laughs> I mean, so in, in, that's just bad. Luck. In, so in Death Triangle, so they come out and they say we are the Death Triangle, and I buy the shirt, and then they never appear on TV again. <laughs> and it sucked too because I was like, I heard that faction, I was like, they're gonna be so I love fucking the, good. I love the name Triangle of De La Muerte. I love saying that. Yes, it's just the dopest sounding name ever. And I was like, I buy the shirt, and they never appeared again. <laughs> it sucked. Yeah, yeah, so thankfully they're back. back. Yeah, so I didn't waste money on a shirt. No, you didn't waste money on a shirt, and uh, we get to see actually what Death Triangle will do, which is good because all three of those members are unbelievably good. After this, Jade Cargill, who made her debut last week, uh, stomped Brandy Rhodes' arm in a steel chair, and Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero were helping out. So. And kind of running interference and then eventually um then uh a couple other wrestlers like uh uh big swole and a few other people came and then chased them off but yeah uh jade cargill uh <laughs> got a little bit back on brandy Rhodes after she went all detroit on his ass yeah on her yeah, ass so um it's uh crazy you know and how AEW is consistent they like to work in threes they like their groups to have at least three people in it and it's like a Vicky Guerrero, Nyla Rose, Jade Cargill group. Great group. And Jade Cargill is one of those people, I think she will come along. I think she will develop really, really fast as a promo because you already saw the raw talent there. So she'll develop really fast as a promo. But being with Vicky Guerrero who's already an amazing promo and has been in this business forever, it's only going to do anything is only going to uh increase her maturity very fast a hundred percent agree we then had the nwa women's championship match between serena deeb and the former champion thunder rosa again they put on such a good match had really good chain wrestling they really took each other to the limit with a lot of physical moves um there was a point in the middle of the match where dr Britt baker actually interrupted the match and proceeded to um, DDT Thunder Rosa on the ramp after uh, Rebel managed to uh, distract uh, the referee. And Thunder Rosa still stuck in it despite the fact, and uh, they still went back and forth a lot after that spot. But eventually, Serena Deeb would get the pin, retain the title, and then Britt Baker was just back at ringside like a cocky son of a bitch. And then Thunder Rosa just finds her and just beats the shit out of her. And they're just fighting each other as AEW officials are just like trying to split them apart. But I just love the fact that she does that, runs to the back, and then proceeds to get back at ringside to watch as she's like, like I don't know, like I didn't do anything, la-di-da. And she had like didn't think, like, hey, depending on how this goes, you don't think you're going to get jumped by her after this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, people talk about 
my friend Rich talks about bad faith arguments all the time. And this is another one. So I heard this week, and this is a very good angle. I am a big fan of Thunder Rosa and Serena Deep, and I thought they put on an amazing match. I, I really did. I was completely engrossed. I had, and even after the interference, I didn't know who was going to win. And, you know, Deep just won. You know, I thought that was, and I thought that was another twist. You know, it, it. Some people said the interference didn't count, but yeah, she took a big move. So yes, she was going to be weaker going through the rest of the match. That was a move that wore her down, and Serena Deep took advantage of that. Which Serena Deep was already good. So that extra, you know, extra move is going to help her be great. So I thought that was a different twist that they kept the match going after the interference. And like Deep didn't just hit her finisher and Rosa go out. So that was cool, and then, you know, Thunder Rosa uh, attacking uh, Britt Baker. So I see on the internet people are like, you know, make the, why is the NWA title presented as more than the AEW title? I'm like, literally the AEW champion beat the NWA champion. So how is the NWA title being presented as bigger than the AEW title? And then if you look at this segment, there were three women featured in the segment. Two of them work for who and have contracts with who? If you could finish my sentence for me, Austin, who do they have contracts with? Uh, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah, they, have, they have contracts with AEW. So of the three women in the segment, two of the people getting the person that got the pin has an AEW contract. The person that got the interference is in the brawl next has an AEW contract. So how in, in what blue hell are you not featuring AEW women? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand the argument. And you have an extra belt, and for some, for some reason, no matter who you are, I am a victim of this too. If you're a wrestling watching, a, you're a wrestling watching audience, you pay more attention when a belt's on the line. You just do. It's just how you kind of talk to think in wrestling. So I'm like, they've done everything to feature everybody available. They even, even in the Jade Cargill thing, they got, okay, so you had Nyla with Jade, and then you had Swole and Red Velvet come up. So you have another three women that they're, you know, featuring that got screen time that hadn't been getting screen time. I'm like, what else do you want? It's like they're coming. They're, they're working on it. It's a progress. It's it's trying. Yeah. And again, like if you please, like let us. Like I'm telling you, like we we want the same thing that you want. We want the AEW women to be featured more prominently. We do. And the NWA, like they still are being featured more so than the, the NWA women, just because like it's their women. Um, but you have to keep that same energy. So like I know a lot of people will say that, and then at the same time. When an AEW women's title match goes on, or when an AEW women's match happens in general, they might just flip to another station. You have to be watching at the same time. Like, please, don't get it twisted. We want the women to be that much more represented on the roster and be just as big as the men. And we know that they're at a point right now where they're they're fighting an uphill battle just because the roster is not where it needs to be, and they lost a lot of talent. So you can tell that there's not a problem when the women of the company aren't complaining about not being featured. Seriously, yeah. They know they know the trajectory. Yes, they, they know they, where everything's they going. They know who they work for. They work for a numbers guy. The numbers have to make sense. 
T- I mean, unlike like let's say any other company, their their existence, AEW is a shell of its its on its own. You know, there's not like four branches of AEW. There's not a film section of AEW right now. I mean, they just got games, right? So their TV contract and their relationship with TNT is what matters. <laughs> so they're going to put on what draws. Seriously, yeah. So, I'm so. just saying, keep watching it. I never miss a match. Exactly. I love Speaking of love another it. speaking of <laughs> I was going to say uh, speaking of another woman that was featured, literally the next segment was a promo with John Silver and Anna J as Anna J was announced that she will be getting a shot at Hikaru Shida's title next week. So, there you the, go. You got another woman the star of the show, being featured for the championship. And she's not that great of a promo yet, so could they use probably the hottest guy on the internet, John Silver, and he yeah. does an amazing promo and literally just does nothing but put her over <laughs> about how awesome she is. And I just thought it was just well. I was like, okay, that's what's that's what's missing kind of sometimes in a manager role that you don't see. Paul Heyman's really, really good at it. But good luck. Oh, yeah. Jordan John Silver just made you think she was never going to lose again in that one-minute promo. And Anna Jay just stands there and looks awesome because she has an amazing look. And, you know, and as her promo skills improves, you know, she'll need a manager less. But, yeah, I'm really excited about Anna Jay versus uh, uh, Hikaru Shida. We'll see how far Anna Jay has come along in the ring, working with a veteran that kicks ass. And just so everyone knows, if you hadn't heard this, Rio is under contract with AEW. She's just a victim of COVID, just like anyone else. So she just can't get over here to wrestle. So... I mean, a lot of people thought she didn't work for AEW anymore. I had heard that, and Tony cleared that up, that she still works for AEW. She just can't work for AEW. Yeah, people thought it was like a temporary contract or whatnot, or she didn't resign or whatnot. But no, she she does still work, work with AEW, but just she can't yeah, get here. She can't get here. I mean, I mean, you know, the thing with the UK is, you know, they, you know, Tony has a plane of his own, and I think he's... I don't know if he's a citizen in the UK, but they at least own like a football team there, a football team there. So I'm yes. I'm, I'm thinking he's allowed to more freely travel than other say private uh, other private citizens that have to take commercial flights. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's why Pac was able to make the trip over, or Pat. Yes. <laughs> Main event time. Tag team action between the TNT champion Darby Allen and the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes versus Team Taz, the FTW champion Brian Cage, and Absolute Ricky Starks. It was a pretty damn good uh, main event capping off. Like each of the mem- like everybody in this match is really really good. They did well. It was a good cap off. But the whole reason this was the main event was honestly just for what happened afterwards. So after the match was over and. Darby Allen was able to uh, get the pit. Well, actually, yeah. So Darby Allen gets raised, raised by uh, Brian Cage to the top rope, and then he gets finished with an avalanche drill call, and then that ends the match. And then Team Taz starts just beating the shit out of uh, Cody and Darby. Ref calls for the bell. Will Hobbs then comes to the ring with a steel chair. And then he picks up the FTW title and then just starts staring at Brian Cage. And as Cody gets back up on his feet, nails Cody in the head. Brian Cage, 
I mean, uh, Brian Cage then gets back into the ring and starts hugging Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs, now a member of Team Taz, Will Hobbs has turned heel. I thought this was a, so. a hell of a twist, and I want to give it its moment before I go off on another rant that I have. I, I, oh, I just thought, I thought uh, Will Hobbs came out, and I thought he did it perfectly, because if you've noticed, even since the show that I, I was watching, I noticed, I noticed but didn't notice, that he never touched Team Taz. He swung the chair, he did everything, but he never touched him. And it was all no, building I... up to this moment where again, he comes out and they run and he never touches them. And then he makes the decision, the right decision for his career. He joins Team Taz. Uh, I thought it was a big moment. I thought it was a hell of a way to end the show. I, I thought it was great. This was this just, it was just professional wrestling. Uh, I, I really loved it. Uh, what did you think about the moment, sir? Honestly, like, it's pretty big just because, like, it helps grow Team Taz and makes it even stronger. I feel like Will Hobbs, like, really impressed me with his opening performance. But with his size and his look, it just made me think, man, if this guy turned heel, I can imagine that he would just be vicious. And I was right. Like, the dude, the smile in his in his face when he was staring at Brian Cage while holding the FT, FTW title, and then as Cody gets to his feet, gets gets the title in his hands and then just smacks Cody across the face of it was great. Like I was a hundred percent not expecting that. And the point that you said, yeah, that he didn't touch team Taz once, despite the whole like feud or them trying to convince him to join team Taz and all that. And like, I totally forgot that like, yeah, he hasn't laid a finger on any of them. Yes. And, um, yeah. So I was talking about earlier, the monster tag teams, like, if Ricky wanted to focus on Darby and going for the TNT title, and just for a little bit, not it doesn't have to be a long time, Brian Cage and Will Hobbs are a tag team? Oh, Ooh. oh my God. It, just two physically imposing, athletic guys. I'll just, again, if you just, you don't, especially with Hobbs not built as unbeatable now, if you really wanted to give them some wins on Dark and then give them a couple major wins on Dynamite, and just have them run through people and then go to the Young Bucks, oh my God, it would be great. Or whoever, whatever face tag team you want to be. If you want to do it with Private Party or whoever you want, it's just such a physically imposing team. Uh, it'll, it would uh, definitely, I think it would get over the team that they eventually beat. Yeah, honestly, me too. And like, it just would be a fucking scary ass team as well, just to see. But okay, that was Rent time. That was AEW Dynamite, though. Rant yeah. time. Gotta ask you a Go question. Ahead. Why is Cody in the Nightmare Family? Why is it a thing? When, like, nobody in the Nightmare oh Family ever helps him the fuck out. He's getting the shit beat out of him, and no one comes out. They... Arn doesn't even Arn, do the game Arn, thing. Arn, Arn got tossed in the match. I understood that. But Dustin... But he doesn't even come up after the match is yeah, over. Yeah, you got Dustin... QT. Yeah, you, you can't do Brandy because she's hurt. Obviously, you got Austin, uh, Austin Gun, and Billy Gun. So it's like, and and technically, and technically, Lee uh, Johnson, Scorpio, right? Lee Johnson, not Scorpio. Oh, Lee yeah. Johnson, yeah. Well, Scorpio was was friends. No with one comes up. I even put on my Twitter. I really think Cody should just trade up for. It's it's seriously, it's one of those things that. 
I've talked about before, and I know you have to accept wrestling, and I can't. Because I've been watching wrestling my whole life. And even growing up, I wanted to be a horseman. I didn't want to be Dusty Rhodes. Because the horsemen seemed to have each other's back. Dusty Rhodes was always getting his shit beat out of him. And nobody was coming to help him. So it's just like, it's just bringing back those old feelings of, dude, I want to be on Team Taz. I don't want to be in the Nightmare Family. Why? No one from the Nightmare Family ever has the other guy's back. <laughs> I mean, man. It's like, <laughs> it's like, dude. Cody's not getting a break. Yeah, it's like, dude, I understand wrestling, but this is 2020. People are more intelligent now. They watch wrestling a little differently. Why be in a gang if your gang is not going to have your back? Why be in the why be Tony Stark? Why team up with the Avengers if Thor is going to always be off site? You know what I mean? Off the off the planet and Hulk is wherever. It's like no, when they really needed each other, they were there. You know who's never there from Cody when they really need him? <laughs> Anybody from anywhere from, from the Nightmare Family. Only person that ever came out and ran out and to defend Cody is his wife. <laughs> and she couldn't do that because she, she had her arm. Yeah, against Jay Cargill. I was just like, I'm just tired of it. It's repetitive. It's like, dude, if I could ever have a conversation just like face to face with Tony, Tony Khan, I was like, why do you do this? And I know he'll be like, this is wrestling. It is essence, but it doesn't have to be. Because <laughs> wrestling has changed a lot since the 80s. Why can't you change this thing that is uh, uh, obvious? Uh, why didn't you change a thing that is an obvious like like plot hole? <laughs> or just say Cody doesn't want to be in a group anymore, and then I would completely <laughs> understand that. Like Sting was never in a group. Him getting jumped, I okay, cool. Sting was on his own, you know. Yeah. But Cody can't be the leader of the Nightmare Family, and the Nightmare Family never has their leaders back. He, he must, I mean, in this case, you would think Brody Lee is a much more effective leader than Cody at this point. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, outside looking in, trying to look at it as kayfabe. I'm trying to put my brain in the world of professional wrestling, and not as a, just like, like pretending like I'm eight and I'm watching the show. Anytime Ricky Starks or Cage have a problem, the other one's out there. Anytime the Dark Order has a problem, they got a whole 20 people come out there just to walk them out to the ring. Anytime Cody has a problem, he just gets the shit beat out of him. Now, I, like I said, this is my eight-year-old brain thinking, why? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> why? I'm like, why? It's like, if I was an eight-year-old, I would ask why. Because I did when I was an eight-year-old. I'm telling you. This is a question I would look at my brother and ask. Why the hell aren't anybody coming out? <laughs> Tony, you better be listening as well as QT, Dustin, Brandy, everybody like, in the you're, night. You're making family. a world full of heels. Because guess what? I grew up wanting to be a heel. Because at least they had each other's back. They might get their ass kicked and lose. But they at least had each other's back. Yeah. But anyways, like I said, that was AEW Dynamite for this week after Floyd finishes that rant, which was very entertaining. And it was a good show. Um, there was a lot of pieces that were put together of like things changing and then moving forward towards that massive December 2nd episode where winter is coming. And, I mean, the turn of Will Hobbs to Team Taz was huge. 
Um, we had a really good NWA women's title match and had a feud started with uh, with uh, Britt Baker and uh, uh, oh my god, why am I blanking? I'm awful. Uh, <laughs> oh, Thunder Rosa. Thunder yeah. Rosa. Thunder Rosa. And it's like so we had that start off. We also had um, feud starting um, with. Uh, we're continuing with Jade Cargo and Brandy Absolutely. Rhodes, like feuds were continuing, feuds were starting, and like stuff was getting moving. Yeah, it looks and, like, like we might get a, really a good... slow Jade Cargill match. Yeah, which hell yeah, I'd like to see that. So I mean, a lot of stuff was put in place, and a lot of stuff has been moving forward, and everything's looking really strong. And it was another really solid episode of Dynamite with some good matches, and having Pac back is great. Having Death Triangle back is great. Having Will Hobbs as a heel is really cool. There's a lot of stuff, like, stuff is starting to kind of really start to pick up again since, like, COVID put a huge slash on, like, every wrestling company and their stories. The, now it seems like they've got so many plates. Yeah, spin. even the audience is coming back now that uh, the whole political season is kind of over. I mean, like, you know, there's still stuff going on, but, like, last week the top 50 shows, like, 49 of them were news. This week, AEW... Back over eight hundred thousand average audience at back at eight at eight fifty, which was around the number they were between eight hundred and nine thousand nine hundred thousand before, uh, before you know, you know, presidential season comes, which is of course more important than wrestling. But and then they were at point three seven in the in the demo, which is like the eighteen thirty four. So that was a killer number seventh overall cable show. That was a killer. That that they, mm-hmm. they killed this week as far as the ratings and what I wouldn't say was just like an amazing dynamite it was a really good show don't get me wrong but I wouldn't say it was like an A plus dynamite so to me that means that core audience that kind of went away for the while is coming back yeah and now we can get into the look of what is happening next week on AEW Dynamite of course we have the Anna J and Hikaru Shida women's title match which should be really exciting we have Pack and Ray Phoenix teaming up to face the Butcher and the Blade. That's a hell of a team in itself. We also have Will Hobbs, the newly turned heel and member of Team Taz, who will be in action. And then we will be having Chris Jericho and Jake Hager teaming with the with, with each other after for pretty much weeks of just not and months of not teaming with each other. They will be facing SCU. And those were the matches that I found that were announced. There may be a couple more as time goes on of new matches that have been announced. Floyd, have I missed any, or are those the only ones that have been announced so far? Well, I am really uh, excited about next week. Um, uh, Next week coming up, just because I I, I do want to see how they build up. It's the week between Kenny and uh, Mox, and they're trying to build it up as the biggest dynamite ever. So... That being, that being the case, it's um, it, you know you're gonna get something fiery. Maybe find out who attacked Mox. Uh, we might see that some kind of brawl. And you know, it being the biggest dynamite ever, they probably wanna uh, they probably wanna at least establish a couple of their matches. So I am looking forward to what uh, comes from that and the fallout from this week as far as Cody. Brian Cage and Will Hobbs uh, turning heel. So I'm Let's looking forward you. to all of that uh, comes up next week. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I pretty much agreed with everything that you mm. say right there. And um, that's really going to do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. 
Um, before I get to the whole like plugs and everything, I know Floyd has the winners of our contest for the AEW game shirts that we announced last week. Floyd, do you want to let us know who won uh, these lovely t-shirts? I don't know if the shirts weren't popular, but we didn't get a lot <laughs> of people, you know, enter. <laughs> so, so we got three people to enter. Uh, Dan Coffin, uh, Shane, and Stephen O'Freddy. And that's at Steven underscore Freddy. S- uh, Shane is at STR909. And Dan, y'all all won shirts. So I'm going to hit you up all individually. Because I was giving away three shirts. Three people entered. And ended up <gasps> working out. Probably going to get out something cooler. Maybe get a more attraction as we get closer to Christmas. But thank you all for yeah, listening honestly, to the show. Like, and giving your comments. It wasn't even a competition. You guys just won straight up. So congratulations. You got a free shirt. And thank you so much again for listening. But... With that um, all done and over with, we can now say um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of All Things Elite. If you enjoyed it and you do enjoy the show, continue to download the show on Google or Apple Podcasts or start doing so if you haven't yet. And if you listen on Spotify, you can share the podcast and share it also if you're on Google or Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it with a friend, family member, anyone who likes wrestling. We'd really appreciate it. Leave a rating and a review about the show. And also, if you're inclined, you can listen. Leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. We would be forever grateful. On Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. Social Suplex, our friends at Social Suplex are at Social Suplex. Myself, I am at SZumer4, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with everything out of the way, it's just time for Floyd to take us home after this episode of All Things Elite. Floyd, go ahead and take it away. All right, the next time you'll hear from us will be after. So I want to wish everybody that celebrates a happy Thanksgiving. Make sure you have lots of uh, food and socially distanced fun. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate people wearing their mask and looking out for others. But uh, yeah, I just literally just want to thank you. Wish you happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy Dynamite next week as we get closer to December second. And I just yeah, from the bottom of my heart, from both of us, have have a happy start of the holidays. So with that being said, whether you are eating turkey, ham, or a big plate of stuffing. Always do your best to be elite.